The Secrets of Sacred Art is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, you're listening to The Secrets of Sacred Art where we unearth the hidden treasures, history, and deeper meanings in religious and sacred art. We're your hosts, Catherine Laffrey. And I'm Alex Murray. Welcome to Episode 9, The Brothers Van Eyck, Part 2, Adoration of the Mystic Lamb. In this episode, we will explore the art and images of the Ghent altarpiece. Please follow The Secrets of Sacred Art in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For a full experience, you can join us on the SQPN YouTube channel, where you can see all the images of the art we're discussing on the show. You can find us on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or on X, formerly known as Twitter, at SQPN, or on Instagram at starquestnetwork. Last episode, we introduced you to the Brothers Van Eyck and the world that enabled such talented artists to flourish. This week, we're going to take you on a tour of one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful works of art in Christendom, the Adoration of the Mystic Lamb. Join us in this incredible deep dive into the Ghent altarpiece. And I have to say, um, it's going to be like a deep plunge and then jumping out again because, my gosh, Catherine, how many times did we text each other and call each other going, this is so amazing. We just cannot cover everything. We can't no, even, we, we're, we're gonna, not even going to touch it. Yeah. We're going to show you a bunch of rabbit holes that you can jump into and have so much fun doing it. Exactly. And then, at, and then after this recording, what we decided we're going to do, because this piece is just um, a treasure trove of, of Catholic theology and, and art history and intrigue and mystery and, and world history what we're going to do is we're going to post all of these really interesting tidbits that we found on our Discord page um, that we're just not going to be able to to share with you on yeah. on our show. So so it's going to be an ongoing theme here, uh, but it's it's going to be a really amazing ride. So I hope everybody enjoys okay. it. So um, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a summary, and it is a very brief summary of this this. Um, piece of art. It's got a long and, and complex and interesting history. So the altarpiece is a 12 panel polyptych, which is, which was completed in 1432. It took 12 years to um, complete. The artist brothers, Hubert and Jan van Eyck worked together until Hubert died and Jan was left to complete the work on his own. An inscription on the back of the panel reads in Latin, Hubert van Eyck, the greatest painter that ever lived, began this work, which John, his brother, second only to him in skill, had the happiness to continue at the request of Jodocus Witt. At this time, on the 6th of May, you learn when the work was completed, 1432. And so Jan, in his very um, typical and clever way, uh, is in this this tribute to his brother subtly, subtly indicating that he is now the greatest 
artist who ever lived since his brother is now dead. (laughs) I have two brothers and it's like, yeah, I can kind of hear the brotherly uh, love there in that. (laughs) Yes. And, but you know, Jan van Eyck did that kind of thing, like his portrait, he, which was the most incredible portrait. He just wrote as well as I could on top of yeah. yeah right yes as, or as mm-hmm. well as I can and yeah. um yeah it's like if only it, it, people would you know to be able to half of have half the talent he had you'd be a great artist so yes. he knew he knew he was a very um he knew how talented he was let me just put it that oh, way oh yeah so <clears throat> the altarpiece was made to be part of a side chapel in the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist, which is now called the Cathedral of St. Bavo. And um, Catherine, if uh, you want to take us through this really interesting slide you've got up here and, um, and maybe share a little bit about what we're seeing. Yeah, so in searching for images, I wanted people to know what it was like to have first seen the altarpiece when it was first dedicated. Found a wonderful website um, by Alexander Vervet. And uh, he gave me permission to show his 3D rendering of possibly how the altarpiece was presented back in 1432. His work is incredible. He also has several other images of the altarpiece at different points in time. So this is actually showing it in its place in the chapel um, that's in the uh, ambulatory of the church. And there's also a floor plan of the church here. And this floor plan is from a architectural study that was being done to figure out the best airflow space for the uh, altarpiece's new location. Wow. So the little letter A, which would be down in the um, lower right part of the floor plan as it's laid out. Um, that's the little chapel that was it was initially placed in. And they had some nice little windows there to bring light across it. And I love how Alexander actually showed the lighting, how it would have come into the room. Yeah. Yeah. And that's then, gonna be an important part actually. Yes. As we that, go that, yeah. will, that will come up later with a little detail. Yeah. Um, also in this floor plan there's a little section B. Um, that was a possible location, new location in the baptistry, but it finally ended up in the sacrament uh, chapel, which is at the high point of the ambulatory, and it's a very large chapel, so it has more space um, so that people will be able to see it, walk around it, um, and we'll show you how the new display is. But again, yeah. thank you to Alexander for such fine work. Yeah, excellent, excellent work that he's done. Um The donors of the piece were a wealthy husband and wife who were childless, and they bequeathed the funds uh, to have the altarpiece made. Um, And from its inception, the altarpiece was considered one of the greatest works of art that had ever been seen and did much to propel Jan van Eyck and his workshop into an even more influential sphere in the Burgundian duchy. Throughout its tumultuous history, the altarpiece has survived fires, the Bildenstorm, of the Reformation, and that is when um, countless works of sacred art were destroyed. Um, it, it survived dismantling and the selling off of various parts, thievery by Napoleon and Hitler. And uh, we talk about a little bit of the, the, its fate and what happened to it during World War II on episode seven 
of the secrets of sacred art and also the secrets of movies and TV. So we encourage you to take a listen to that one as well. One of the panels, The Just Judges, was stolen on the 10th of April in 1934, and the case is still open as the panel has not yet been found. And there are some very insensitive restorations and cover-ups that that had to be taken care of. Uh, for example, Adam and Eve used to be wearing fur tunics. <clears throat> yeah. And at one time it was displayed merely as a beautiful work of art in the Ghent City Hall. And when it was returned to St. Bavos, the public had unprecedented access to it. And it was not unheard of for the local bus drivers to proudly open the side panels and show the tourists the crown jewel of Ghent. The altarpiece was painstakingly restored between 2012 and 2020, and it's now displayed behind a 20-foot-tall, $35 million bulletproof display case complete with climate control. It's not in its original location, but rather in a larger chapel, as Catherine mentioned, to accommodate the millions of tourists visiting it each year. And I think it, the um, visitor, it's second to only second to Our Lady of Guadalupe in terms of uh, people coming to to see this work of art. And um, yeah, we'll have links to the actual um, way to get into the tour to go see it. They actually have a augmented reality tour that you wear goggles uh, to go before you even actually get to see it in person. And so, yeah, it's it's neat just to see how it's displayed now as to how it used to be. Our little picture in the corner here actually shows what is believed to be a bus driver actually showing someone. Oh, yeah, here it is. They would actually walk up and open it. I know. I know. And it's in. But there was obviously a real love and appreciation for it always mm-hmm. in Ghent. I mean, how could there not be lots of pride there? But yeah, maybe not. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't touch. So, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the donors. So the people yes. who commissioned this work and the donors of the Ghent altarpiece were Jus Witt and his wife, Lisbeth Borlut Witt. And they were a wealthy couple in Ghent. Um, they were a banking family. Their images are featured on the outside of the polyptych and they're kneeling devoutly in prayer. There can be all sorts of, you know, Cynical interpretations as to why this yeah. couple would want themselves included in this magnificent altarpiece. And, um, but we're going to leave that for others. We're going to look at maybe another reason why they wanted to do it because we don't want to get, I mean, there's enough cynicism in the world, isn't it? So I like to yeah. think about why somebody might do something like this and it's totally out of character or not what we would think in in our modern sensibilities so we're going to kind of walk you from the outside of the piece yeah when it's closed we'll walk you through it and then we're going to open up and walk through the outside of the piece yes as we we move through you'll you'll get the idea of what we're seeing next yeah we're we're going on an adventure (laughs) on an adventure yeah so um so Rather than thinking it's more like an an endowment, like I've built this magnificent thing and then I want everybody to know that I did it. Um, How might a wealthy man and woman see themselves in the story of salvation in their role? And in the culture that they were in, in medieval European culture, um, wealthy people were were considered to be at greater risk of going to hell 
than a poor person because poor people didn't have the temptations and they, they already had some of the, um, I guess the, they were impoverished like our Lord was impoverished. So, so they were, were emulating him already in some way. But if you were wealthy, you certainly weren't. And you were at a much higher risk of of losing your soul. So, um, so because there were so many, many more attachments that you could form in the world and, and, and comfort and pleasure was at your fingertips, use and Lisbeth needed the prayers of the poor and the suffering. They died childless and chose to donate a good portion of their wealth to the church as an endowment. And they donated this magnificent altarpiece to help worshipers turn their minds and hearts to God in exchange they're humbly asking for the prayers of those participating in the mass. So it actually is a completely different way. And, and I just want to say, if, if ever you're looking at medieval art and you do see tip, you know, you will see a lot, especially in the um, Northern European um, images from medieval uh, art, you will see someone in prayer and it is, sometimes it's going to be a donor or somebody. And that is, they're asking for your prayers for their soul. So, you know, if you really want to be part of all of this, why not say a prayer for um, use and Lisbeth Witt? Because, you know, they're asking very humbly for them. So, And what's amazing is whenever I've seen art that puts the donor or the patron in the panel, in the piece, in the painting, I may not know their name, but I do like to always offer a prayer, you know, first for their soul and then for Thanksgiving that they were willing to put out what it took to bring the beauty of the church to everyone throughout time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was talking to someone the other day and we were, we were talking about this altarpiece and, and she said, how is it that they could even afford, you know, how could something like that be funded? It's so magnificent. And how could it be funded by these two people? And I said, it's because of where their values were. Mm-hmm. And when you have, you will under, you will know the values of a culture by where they invest their money. That's and, true. Um, and this is where they were investing their money in, in sacred art. And, and it can be done, you know, clearly yes. it can be done, but um, you know, people have other, other ideas of where they want to spend their money, but also even on a, you know, even on a small parish level, you know, there are people who will balk at, oh, this, if we get this original thing done, it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of pounds, but they wouldn't think twice about buying a flat screen or something instead. You know, it's, you really have to think about it. It's possible to do these things. It's just where your priorities and, and, um, and the Veet's priorities were here. Yes. It shows. Mm -hmm. So, rant over as my husband would say to me <laughs> so if we want to go to the next slide so the patron saints of the altarpiece are saint john the baptist and saint john the evangelist and they're featured in the center panel of the closed um of the, of the closed altarpiece so this is on the outside <clears throat> i love how they chose to portray them as if they were statues yes yes and so beautifully executed as well. Mm-hmm. And this technique, do you know the, the technique that this is called? That uh, they've used Trump, with it? Trump Loy? Trump Loy, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and Van Eyck is an absolute master at this, mm-hmm. you know, limited palette. 
and yet they look like um they look like stones they look it looks three dimensional it looks like you could walk behind the statue you know like if you have to dust it you can get the little feather yeah. duster behind <laughs> behind now our Saint viewers might might notice the difference in color between these two images Mm-hmm. So the smaller image is before restoration when it still had its old varnish on it. And the bright white zoomed in image is after restoration. So they've stripped away all the old yellow dried up varnish yeah. and have put a fresh coat on. And I mean, it makes it really pop when you see it in its full true colors. It does. And and just catching the, you know, and if, if you look on this image, if you kind of look at the the lamb's face and the shadow that it's casting onto St. John the Baptist, where it's darker, where, you know, where he's, where the, the lamb's little muzzle is closer to his shirt and, or the, the cape, and then it, it fades out. I mean, all of this, it's just, it's just incredible to look at all of this. And so see our younger John also. Oh, or did well, you... can we go back to? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. We'll go back. Still talking about. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. So St. John the Baptist is holding a lamb and he's got his hand. He's holding his hand in a covered and his right hand is covered with his um, cape, almost like the way a priest would hold the monstrance. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's holding it close holding the lamb close to his chest and he's pointing with his left hand to the creature. And um, so this image is supposed to make you think of what he said, behold the lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And it's an image of hope and promise fulfilled. Um, So now we can go and visit the other John, (laughs) the younger John, the younger John. And so St. John, the evangelist is holding a chaplice, a chalice with five serpents riding in it, which is a really interesting image to see. Mm -hmm. And it's a cup of salvation, but it's also the cup of judgment. And it references Revelation 16, 19, uh, which states, and the cup of wine filled with his fury and wrath, And it's to remind those receiving communion that those who drink from the cup unworthily drink their own death. And some suggest that this is also a depiction of an exorcism. So he's like, you know, casting out demons. And that is kind of interesting because when you think about Hubert von Eich being possibly being a member of a minor order, um, he could have been a, could have been an exorcist. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And right. and also what I I just want to point this out as well. So from what we understand, the way the altarpiece was used at the beginning of mass, it was closed. So as you're going into the chapel, you're seeing these things, um, among other things. Uh, but you would see the Lamb of God, you know, this hope, but also to, to approach with seriousness and, and, um, and a lot of reflection and make sure that, that you're not doing this unworthily and, and taking yeah. it frivolously. Seeing St. John the Evangelist with that chalice would definitely make you stop and say your prayers before Mass to make sure that you're yeah. approaching the altar in the right um, state of grace. Exactly. Good Lord exactly. willing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. <clears throat> Next. It, yes. Okay. So or, how about you talk a little bit about this, Catherine? Um, 
this is this is still we're still on the outside. <laughs> yeah, we're panel. still on the outside. So yeah. above the patron and um, uh, above the donors and the patron saints of the of the building, we have the Annunciation scene. So this is Saint Gabriel saying his even written out his little Ave Maria, his greeting to Mary, and. Very traditional piece to have within the church as the Annunciation is when Christ becomes man and he's flesh and blood for us. And it foreshadows Christ giving himself to us in the Eucharist when we receive his flesh and blood. So a very important symbol within the church and, and the liturgy. I love the gesture of the I angel. was just looking at that. Just the, the twist of his hand. And um, the delicate fingers, and he's pointing to the words Ave Maria or Ave, mm -hmm. Ave Grazia. Oh, yeah. And then here we have Mary giving her fiat and yeah. the, uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon her in the form of a dove. And again, very characteristic of the Annunciation scene throughout all different styles um, within the iconographic and the Western art, you'll see this. And even globally around the world, if you have the chance to look at the way this is presented in different cultures, it's amazing and beautiful. It is. And I think it's interesting. Her fiat is actually mirrored. So it's actually, it's almost like she's, it's directed towards not us, not the viewer. It's directed towards Gabriel. Yeah. You know, and, and we are just happen to be in on the scene, I guess. But I just think it's a really interesting way that he's that he's done that. So it's not like a comic book strip where it's like this is all for the person. This scene is this is something that's taking place. And we're just it's almost like we're not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's it's funny because that being mirror image has probably led to a very unusual thing that I came across when I found a reproduction in a um, antique store website mm. and they actually had this image I believe flipped over I think it was actually produced the other way around oh because they thought <laughs> because of the lettering yeah isn't so, that funny yeah, yeah yeah all right all right, are we ready to jump inside? Yes, yes. So this, so now this is the um, the panel is open, and on the the outermost panels we have Adam and Eve, and um, I just think, you know what? Again, the Van Eyck's and the human face. I was thinking about this the other day because I'm kind of a people watcher, but it's hard to be a people watcher um, sometimes because it's rude to stare at people. Yes. <laughs> and so I used to always devise ways of like doing it secretly. That makes me sound like I'm a weirdo, but I'm not. I just sometimes I want to see what like what are people doing, especially if they look interesting. And mm -hmm. um, and so what I like about Van Eyck is you can get right up close and you can watch these people in a way that you would get arrested watching, you know, the average person on the street. But he's just he's captured the essence of their humanity so much and you can it's like looking at a, a person yes. who's who's standing in front of you so this is adam and eve and um both of them 
were originally completely naked. So medieval people didn't really have a problem with <laughs> nudity in the church, I guess. But and they were covered up many centuries later with the um the animal pelts. But uh they do cover their nakedness just with fig leaves, but it really in doing it this way, it l- makes them look so vulnerable. Yes. You know, naked. This is they realized they were naked and all they have is this this fig leaf and um, and when the at, altar piece is open, they're hanging way out at the edge of the they image. Are. So they yeah. really do feel vulnerable. Yeah, and and they're and the background for them is dark. It's like they're in the utter darkness. Mm-hmm. And um They're somewhere and, between the statues and the, the images we're about to see. As yeah. far as their rendering. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because they don't have they don't have the depth of saturated colors of of some of the images that we're going to see in a minute, but they certainly are not the Trompe-Loy version. But above Adam, you have in Trompe-Loy the um, Cain and Abel, and they're offering their sacrifices to God. And they look so cool. Mm-hmm. I just think that they look, they look like they're about to move. Like it looks like if you stared at them long enough, they'd start moving. Mm-hmm. And and everybody will love to know this. We will be putting a link to a website that's called Closer to Van Eyck. You will be able to get close enough that you feel like you're right yeah. inside the images. You can really stare. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's it's like I said, it's the one place where you can actually people watch and it's that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be people watching. So, um, but yeah. uh, yes, so you have Cain and Abel and uh, Abel is offering up his little lamb to God. And, and you know what? It's the, it's like they're in this little cubby hole. I mean, it's almost like, you know, when you were a child, like, didn't you ever want to open up little, like a little cupboard and find like a little family in there or something, you know, some, oh yeah. Fancy. Yeah, that was my thing to find fairies or or dwarves or something, and it's almost. Oh, I used like, to use my cupboards and drawers to be little places to hide things. To make yeah, I used worlds. to leave things out. I used to leave things out for them. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the borrowers and on all that stuff. But yeah, this this is just you can get lost in just that little tiny quarter circle of um, the images of of Cain and Abel and. Adam is looking disheveled, you know, yeah. he's got, um, a little bit, you can see the lines on his face, worry. Um, he looks tired, you know, and, but at the yeah, same time, his boys are going to have an issue. <laughs> yeah. But I think, but at the same time, he's beautiful. Yes. It's just absolutely beautiful. And so let's take a look at Eve okay. and in the little half, the little quarter circle that's above Eve. So, here we have looking at this quarter circle of um, Cain and Abel, where you have Cain striking Abel down. I mean, the action in it, it really, don't you, it's like you're waiting for that, that, um, that chop to just fall mm-hmm. on. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Gollum and oh, Smeagol and Deagle, you know? Yeah. Of course, it also makes me think about one of my favorite shows to watch, Forged in Fire, because I want to know the exact name of the weapon that Cain is using on his brother. That's a machete, actually. 
My husband it's has one. It's got some one. vicious teeth on it, too. Yeah. Goodness. My husband has one of those for the garden. <laughs> oh, okay. For the garden. I get that yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing, to, uh, nothing yeah. else but the garden. But, uh, and, uh, and if we look at Eve, again, she looks um, sad. And uh, what's interesting, if you really zoom in, you can see the imperfections on her face. You mm-hmm. can see... Um, you know, her eyes are kind of sunken in. Her hair is is a little um, drab, you know, yeah. uh, tired. They both just look really tired and yeah. and sad, really sad. Mm-hmm. And so so that's on the outer piece. And um, we're going to talk about some of the inner pieces um, in just a few minutes, but I would like to take this time to um, thank our patrons. And uh, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of sacred art, including Jan C., Brent B., Rebecca I., Attila H., and Michael C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of sacred art and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So with that, um, thank you. patrons, Keeping us going. Thank you very much. Uh, Yes. And thank you patrons and look at what's possible. What, you know, this, this art piece was (laughs) made possible because of donors. Thank goodness mm-hmm. for them. So you, you, those donations are really important. So that support. So Catherine, you were going to talk a little bit about these, these images. Um, yeah. So this again, is fascinating. Our, our stolen piece, actually. So this image that we're looking at is actually very new. It was, this is the image of the just judges. And it was finally completed in 1951. Believe it was, and um, so all kinds of mystery about it. I highly recommend that when you find our show nice show notes, um, you'll take a little look at this because there is a big mystery theft that happened with this. Makes it really you know exciting. I read the story today and wish it was a movie because it was so amazing. I know. Um, all kinds so of controversy and mystery. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't know. Um, and at one point in time, um, one of the prosecutors involved in trying to solve the crime of the theft, which happened in, um, was it 1934? 1934. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's actually a suspect in the theft. Because as he was dying, he tried saying where the information was to find the piece. And when this was stolen, the backside of it was also stolen, which is um, St. John the Baptist. Oh, Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but the thieves had used it as a bartering chip and said, if you give us money, we'll return John the Baptist, mysterious letter shows up in the envelope is a ticket to go to the train station. When they arrived with the luggage ticket, 
they were given the piece of John the Baptist all wrapped up in paper. But they didn't have this piece back yet. Mm. And it never happened. And there's still unsolved mystery to this day. A lot of controversy. There's actually a theory that uh, the uh, Knights Templar are involved somehow. And I have to laugh at myself. My husband and I like watching a show called Oak Island. They talk about <laughs> the Knights Templar and hidden treasure all the time. Yeah. And when I zoomed in on the trees in the background of this panel, the first thing I thought of was that looks like Oak Island. <laughs> Just saying there could be a oh mystery there. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Well, one of the we've other... also heard. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. No, you go ahead. And then I'll, I'll, I'll put my two cents in. No, 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 go. Okay. Thank you. Now, I was just going to say, and I hope, and I apologize if you were going to bring this up, but one of the things that was so special about the just judges is it is assumed that uh, two of the just judges are actually portraits, self-portraits of Hubert and Jan von Eyck. Um, so Catherine has on, on the screen here, the self-portrait of Jan von Eyck in his chaperon, and then... Um, Hubert von Eyck, uh, presumably that's what he looked like in his little fur cap. Um, and uh, I just think, so they, they kind of painted themselves into that, uh, which artists do all the time. I think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. oh, fun piece. Get, again, get lost in this piece forever. Yeah, What's really yeah. interesting is the artist who did this current production. Mm -hmm. He's also been a possible suspect and on the back of this piece he wrote i did it for love and for duty and to avenge myself i borrowed from the dark side what does what? that mean <laughs> what <Right? laughs> go, wait a minute i know so, that is insane that's incredible yeah, yeah wow the wow. mystery continues. <laughs> there are so many. This play, you know what? So this whole thing, going through this and the research and just looking at the pieces and one of one of our sources, and of course this is going to be in the um, show notes, is uh, I have a book called Adoration of the Mystic Lamb and there's mm -hmm. a link in the show notes. It's a great book. You can look at up close, um, really high quality photographs. But I don't know about you, Catherine, but when I was younger and even sometimes now, you know, when I would read things like Lord of the Rings and I would read some section and I would just be like, wow. And I would just lie on my bed, you know, put the book down, lie on my bed and just stare at the ceiling and pretend like I was in Middle Earth. I was so mm -hmm. blown away by something Tolkien had, had written. And I can't tell you the number of people times I did this, that same thing, doing all the research on this altarpiece. Yes. Just, just, you look at it and you go, wow. And you think about, I want to be in that. I want to be mm -hmm. in that world. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Sorry. That's my little tangent. Oh, no. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> in this next image, we have the, is it Knights of Our Lord? I think Definitely. it was Christus, Christi Militus. Or Knights of Christ. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or so, I would I've say soldiers it, of Christ. But. Yeah. 
Oh, they're shiny armor. They look fabulous. And as you zoom in on these, when you please people go to the website, zoom in on <laughs> yeah. these. The detail in the horses is amazing. The detail yeah. in the armor, the reflection of the sky. Mm -hmm. um, and there's that um, wool pinking cuts again. On yeah, the yeah. Night with the green sleeve hanging down. And yeah, yeah. Alex, we talked about the St. Luke um, Guild. And one of the things they did was making saddles. Yeah. And harnesses. Well, Look at these eggs. Okay. So now it's all making sense. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say this, this is something when we were learning about this, that also just one of the many, many things that blew our minds. So Jan and um, Hubert von Eich didn't use any white paint on this. This any white that you see is because that is the, um, that is the prepared gesso in the background. And what they did is they would just paint these very thin layers of the um, of oil paint and then they would let it dry and then they would do another layer and another layer. But so this white horse is actually not white paint that they put on there. They just filled in the shadows and everything from the white gesso, which I think is incredible. But that's actually what gives it that that inner light glow. Um, yeah, when you zoom in, there's only rare instances where you could see that they were actually brushing on white paint. Little dots, tiny little, little bits. Dots like on the horse's there. mane, um, this white horse here, there's actually, when you zoom in on it, you can see that the position of his ears was corrected. And wow. so you could actually see where one ear was and where they made a correction. Oh, um, the wow. only thing I have to say, my only complaint about these horses... And they're fabulously done. But from the pose of some of these horses, I would have expected their ears back and listening to their riders. Yeah, or being annoyed like horses like to be annoyed. Yeah, well, yeah, there's two different ways that they can turn their ears. Yeah. One, one is, is hard back, hard back and annoyance. Yes. And, and the then other the other one, is, one is where they actually turn back to listen, which I've, you know, riding a horse. I used to take care of some horses. Actually, one yeah. actually looked like the uh, bay colored one there. But do you but, want to know uh, something? Yeah. If you look at this whole panel, you know, because you have to look mm -hmm. at it all in context. What they are actually looking at is, is the mystic lamb. So all yes. their attention is going that way. And please take the time, folks, to zoom down and look at the hoof prints in the muddy yeah. ground that they're stomping through. Fabulous details. Lots of rabbit Love holes. <laughs> the details, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we see where we lead to next? Okay. Yeah. So where are we going? Oh, look. Okay. Oh, I love we're this. We're going on a pilgrim this. tour. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. get our faces out of the way here so we can enjoy this man's lovely beard. Yeah. And just so the, the close up here is the gentleman standing just behind the very large version of St. Christopher leading yeah. the pilgrims on their way. Isn't he fabulous? He is. And, and you know what I love? This, this young man who's behind him, he could be in a hoodie walking down the street today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haircut and all. But... Um, what I love about the 
the Flemish Renaissance or you know the Northern European Renaissance, Flemish primitives, however you want to define them. One of the things I love about this style and this school is how many different people, the different faces, they're not perfect. They're not, um, they're not a type. Everyone is an individual. And I remember going around, um, when we did visit Belgium, obviously I was dragging my family to different museums. And one of the things that struck me when I was in the museum, looking at all of these different faces, you know, there's a lot of um, push for a lot of people to look the same today, mm-hmm. you know, whereas back then, obviously they didn't have any kind of filters <laughs> on their <laughs> social media or anything like that. So yes. They, and so you really look at all of these faces and they're so interesting. And, and I think that's why I like watching people because I think people are interesting, but I don't want people to all look the same. You know, I I want them to look different and do different things. And, and, and when you're looking at a lot of this stuff, every face is different with the exception of the angels. And we're going to talk about those a little bit, but yeah, we hope our listeners are go through and explore the faces Yes. Maybe zoom in on one that's your favorite and share it with us on Discord. I would love to see yeah. the faces that different people are attracted to. Exactly. And not only that, but things that you can pick up on. I noticed something about, are you going to show the martyrs? I don't know if you're going to, do you have a a, pan, a slide for the martyrs? Um, it's we pretty might gruesome. see a little bit of them. Okay. Well, I think, okay, so let's, let's let you just keep going yeah. through and. Well, our little gentleman here with his uh, seashells, he's been on a very special pilgrimage. Yeah. So the seashell is representative of going on the Camino Way. Yeah. And knowing that the Van Eycks did a little, you know, tripping about Spain, I wonder if they also went on the Camino Way themselves. There's so many... you know, medieval people loved going on pilgrimages <laughs> and, uh, and do you know, and if you've ever, have you ever met someone who's been on a really long pilgrimage? Like right as they're kind of finishing up, no, I, I, don't I met a man, this was when we lived in Norway and, um, this man came to our church. He was, he was Norwegian and he had walked from the Holy Land back to Norway and do you know oh, what? Wow. He looked a lot like that guy. <laughs> I mean, he, he looked like he had been, he looked like he had been walking from the Holy Land to Norway. Wow. And I was like, how did you do that? And he said, it was through um, the grace of God and Our Lady holding my hand. I'm surprised he didn't say one step at a time. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but that, no, he was like, yeah, they, that's how he did it. And I, it was really incredible. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next, we have the hermits. Love yeah. This. This yeah. feels very much Middle Earth to me. It does. It does. And don't you want to? That's like you look at this and you're like, I want to be there. Oh yes, I want to walk on that path between the trees. Yeah. And I kind of zoomed in on the portion that's above them. And what's fascinating about the gardens within this painting and all around the Ghent altarpiece is that they intermix plants from different climates yeah. and also different seasons. 
Yeah. So you can have the fruits of these oranges fully ripe. And at the same time, you also have blossoms and trees. Yeah. So he's yeah. giving you the all now as if everything happens right now. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to get lost in that forest. <laughs> I know. I know. And this is just, this is like a little side panel. Yeah. Little not side even panel. The, not even the big stuff. Okay. Let's so venture up to the top. <laughs> yes. So now we're coming even closer into the center and um, right next to where Adam and Eve would be, you have the choir of angels. And one of the things I just want to, um, I brought this out and this is why the, um, the book I have is so good and I recommend it to everyone. I actually think it's on sale, but um, in the book you get a little fold out example of um the ghent altarpiece if i can get it ah nice yeah so it's like worth it to to get this book to to here wait Alex, let me make you bigger oh uh. let's let everybody see what you got going there okay. oops not me we want you okay. there you are hey so if you look at that i mean and actually this would be so nice for a family little oratory you know, to put this out and then, yeah. So you've got that. And we will have the link directly to purchasing the book. Yeah. In our show notes. Yeah. Yeah. It's through Tenacious Press. So sorry about that. But just to give you an idea, it's, it's really worth getting something like this and, and looking through it, looking through the um, pictures, reading about it. Um, And it's definitely something, it's definitely going to be out in my house for a long time. Now, moving back to the, um, back to the Ghent altarpiece. So here we have the choir of angels. What is interesting, I just, we just started talking about the different individual faces of the people, the pilgrims, the church militant, the um, just judges, everybody had a different face. If you look very closely at this choir of angels, it's all the same face. Doing very different, different expressions, but all very the same different face. expressions. <laughs> and I read, I read in the book that I have that the different expressions and the level of strain shown on the face is to indicate what key they're singing in. I so, was wondering if someone could look at this and actually say, "Well, they're singing this note or that note." Yeah, or Ray, you know, oh, this is a tenor. This is a this is a baritone. This is a soprano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But um, it, you know, so I think it's fascinating that these, so if you're looking at something like this, it is a little bit disconcerting because it's all the same face, but I mm-hmm. think they, I think the Van Eyck's decided on doing it like this in order to indicate that these are otherworldly creatures. They're not human beings. They're people, but they're spirits. And so mm-hmm. I think that's just a really clever way of communicating that information to to someone. And um, this is only one small portion of the panel where the angels are singing. Yes. I highly recommend again, yeah. go explore this panel because down below them, you're going to see all kinds of intricate details within the podium that they're using the podium and their and their robes and the floor it's the amazing. tiles everything everything Every, you know nothing was done it kind of reminds me again we're going back we keep talking about you know we keep bringing up tolkien here because there's mm-hmm. something very tolkien-esque about all of this uh that is 
uh, wouldn't you have loved for the Van Eyck's and Tolkien to get together and maybe put some things <laughs> together? Oh, yeah. oh yes, my please. gosh. Maybe they're doing that in heaven. But um, there you go. But, you know, I remember C.S. Lewis said that every word that told, I'm paraphrasing, every word that Tolkien wrote in Lord of the Rings was not wasted. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it, it needed to be there. And it's the same thing in this image. There is yes. not one part of it that you're going to look at that you go, oh, that's just like a smudge or that's just this. It's yes. everything, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now, okay. Yes. This is, we, we have to do this one deep, deep dive. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I found this one. I literally like had to like lie down after I read about this. So take uh, us yeah, off right the screen. Yeah, right after you said, Catherine, look at this now. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so take us off the screen so everyone yeah, can really take a look at this. So um, now, according to the um, Ghent Altarpiece website, and we will have that in the show notes, um, the sapphire on the vestments of this angel um, standing in the foreground. It's if you look at this, the sapphire, it's a tiny um, reflection of the window in the chapel where the, the um, altarpiece originally stood. And it's a really ingenious way of showing the worshipers and especially the priests that the worship of God is happening on earth and in heaven and it's bringing angels down to earth and it's drawing us up to heaven. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many details um, about this that kind of make me think the altarpiece was meant to remind and encourage priests celebrating the mass, um, which again kind of supports our theory that um, Hubert might've been in the minor orders. There's, mm-hmm. Because this is something that, the only people who would have been able to see this reflection would have been a priest. But it, yeah, because you know, from it, a distance, it just looks like a real nice, simple reflection. Yeah. And you can zoom in even more on this yeah, piece. I just wanted see, to like, make sure arch. we could see it yeah. in position. Yeah. But you yeah. see the arch, you see the divisions of the, of the window panes. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, it's neat to see it in context where you have the medallion on the other angel that has yes. um, Mary. I believe that's Mary. I think that's else. I think that's that's Christ. Oh, okay. because he's got his hand raised oh, in blessing, yep. and and it looks like um, probably the Ten Commandments. I oh, yeah, I right. wonder if the the um, image right above the jewel might be the Blessed Mother. Oh, see now that one I've zoomed in on that is definitely Christ because you got the little okay. beard. Beard. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a dead giveaway. Yeah. But speaking of our Blessed Mother. Yes, yes. And oh. so with the with this one, I think we should just take a moment and just take in her beauty. What yes. else can you say? She is just, she is um, the queen of angels and, and glorious doesn't even begin to describe her. Just absolutely beautiful. And she's the new Eve. And this is a theological truth that is expressed in a number of ways uh, by Von Eich. Firstly, the halo encircling her head reads, This is she who is more beautiful than the sun and who stands above the stars. Compared to light, she is found better. For she is the brilliance of eternal light, the immaculate mirror of God. Mm -hmm. And for those who 
would not be able to translate the Latin. Van Eyck has reinforced the idea that Mary is the new Eve because he's used the same model for the old Eve and for the queen of heaven. And um, both are complete. Oh, I was going to say, so it's interesting that, um, that they've, that he's done that. And Mm -hmm. the new Eve bears, I mean, she's a real contrast to the drab and tired Eve. She's just radiant and glowing from inside. And she is truly the immaculate conception. And I know that's a dogma that wasn't um, really established until many centuries later, but in this image, this is who, I mean, this is what he called her, the immaculate mirror of God. And the clarity. Yeah, it was always believed. Yes, just exactly. Codified. Exactly. The, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It didn't just come out of nowhere. <laughs> and, no, no. um, and the clarity of her gems on her crown and the richness of her robes, the radiance that just emanates from every part of her being speaks of her station as um, mother of God. And if you look at the crown, it, it has amongst the priceless jewels, it has flowers that are traditionally related, uh, associated with the Blessed Mother. So it has roses and lilies, columbine and lily of the valley. And it was, um, but it also has um, other worldly stars. There are actually 12 of them. And Catherine, you've zoomed up on, zoomed in on a, a few mm-hmm. of them. And in the painstaking details that Van Eyck has in this image, like each strand of her hair has been mm-hmm. painted individually. Like, and I'm, I know you've been zooming in on it. Sadly, oh, yeah. some of the, some of her hair was scrubbed away, if you can believe it or not, in some of oh. the harsher, harsher, um, cleanings. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's had several cleanings over the years. Some it not has, as well as others. It, exactly. So I that have one, to say those stars look like, like what you see as a pulsar, you know, yeah. or like the birth of a new star. It seemed they like explode out. I know. And you think, where is this coming from? Where did you mm-hmm. get this image or this idea, Jan? Right. <laughs> what What were you seeing that we weren't seeing? Don't you always wonder, like, I always imagine at adoration and things, people are seeing things that I'm probably not seeing. And when you look yeah. at something like this, you think, okay, I think when, I think when, uh, Jan was going to adoration. He is probably seeing something that that I'm missing. Yeah, it's just oh, it's just incredible. Yeah. He and, saw so much more than any of us will probably ever see in a lifetime. Exactly, exactly. But he because it was so painstaking and the details, like he painted each strand of hair, he painted her eyelashes and her eyebrows. So that's meant to tell us that this is a real person, and she's of mm-hmm. the material world. Um, the addition of the hovering stars, I think, is telling us that we're beholding someone who is assumed into heaven, body and soul. You know, mm-hmm. she's beyond us and not beyond us. She's close to us all the time. But this is she's in a place um, on a different plane, shall we say. And she's yes. she really was here and she really was she really carried the word incarnate in her womb, and she really is crowned as queen of heaven by her son. It's all true. And that mm-hmm. is what this is. And people love this image. It's so beautiful. She's just so beautiful. And I think she also, you know how you're talking about like that universal woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you look at her, 
she does have, I think, like a universal beauty about her. Really. Yes. Actually, both of them do. You know, the, 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 um, the fallen Eve and the new Eve. And yes. now another kind of a little bit of a, a, a deep dive that I went into, and we will have a link to the academic paper that I read on this that I think if you're into that kind of thing, you would probably really enjoy it. So we will have that one. But if you look at the cloth behind her, that's actually called a cloth of honor. And all of the main central figures have that. And it was a way, uh, it was a tr traditional for the cloth to be um, on the seat of royalty. And it was a way of setting them apart from ordinary people. And it also helped elevate or highlight their status. And in that... Um, cloth of honor. You can kind of see these rondals. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. There we go. And um, so there's there's one behind the Blessed Mother, and well, and then behind Saint John the Baptist. These were thought for a long time to just be kind of you know artists' renditions, nothing in detail. Why you would think that about something Van Eyck? would do is beyond <laughs> me. He doesn't just kind of do splodges of paint to fill in space. Um, but as it turns out, when it was being cleaned on the, um, uh, in the, uh, the 2000s, I think around 2014, it was discovered that this is actually not painted. He used a technique that has been lost in time uh, to take tiny pieces of paper and press them into a type of mold and then they are glued or pasted onto the um, the panel. And then with scissors or a very fine knife, it's cut around the images um, in the front. And then they use resin and beeswax and that sort of thing to kind of highlight it. And then they use um, gold and, and, and to make it look like cloth. But they do it over and over again. So it looks like it's a woven piece. What's interesting is... The it's a very high-end... What do you call it? Decoupage. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a good way to put it. And, uh, but the words beneath, no one thought that they had any kind of meaning, but as they were cleaning and restoring it in the two thousands, it turns out it is saying, um, brother Hubert or Lubert, which is the, I guess the Flemish way of saying it. And it's believed that this was something that, uh, Jan van Eyck did to honor his brother but also to ask for the prayers for his brother's soul. And I think, which I think is incredible. What an amazing discovery to find on this. And also that really tells you something about the relationship these brothers had with one another, that he yes. would do this. And so every time you're looking at this beautiful image of the Blessed Mother and then St. John the Baptist, you're looking at him paying tribute and loving uh, in love to his brother. I just think that's incredible. And um, we could go on about St. <laughs> oh, John yeah. the Baptist's hand, but, uh, but I think maybe we can move on. Yeah, let's take a look at Because you've got some the... interesting things. You've got some interesting things to talk about with John, St. Yeah, John. So again, we have our full color view of St. John the Baptist now. We can see his hair shirt underneath his cloak and the belt around his waist. And on his lap, I would guess it's got to be the Old Testament. 
Well, yeah, it wouldn't have, be the New Testament at that right? point, Because he, he's, like, he's like the last of the old prophets. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it, it's neat. But what's fascinating is as you zoom in on the book, if I could read the old Latin, I think that it's actually all written out on that page. Yeah. And I, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell you what he's reading exactly. I'm sure someone out there does know. Unless it's I in can your tell book, you. Alex. I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You talk about um, the rest of the, the stuff and I'll, I'll look it up right now. So, yeah, all the tiny little details, including on the outer edge of the pages, there's the decorative cuts that were done in the page to give the outer edge of the book its detail, uh, the little pearls uh, in the uh, binding of the book. So you can see that it's all brought together to see that you have, and John, again, is pointing with his hand toward Christ, which is yeah. between him and Mary. Exactly. So did you exactly. find what he's reading, Alex? I did. So it's from Isaiah Chapter 40, Consolamini, console my people. That's what he's reading, which of course is, is, you know, a sign of hope. Yep. Yep. So there he is. Again, people jump in and watch and look and find images you love. We have one more slide that's giving us another close-up of Mary. And this is because as we were researching this, I came across an article on the Liturgical Arts Journal. Fabulous website. We'll also um, give you links to that. But I noticed Mary's Book of the Gospels wrapped in a beautiful material, decorated with the little um, pom-pom with even one pom-pom has an M. The other one I zoomed in on, you can have to look real closely to see the A at the end of it. But then I realized when I read the article from Liturgical Arts Journal that it was traditional to make beautiful silk fabric jackets to go around the book of the gospel. And here's an, uh, an example that they put in their article to show these lovely jackets that would have been on it. So it's almost vesting the book of the gospel. Yeah. So it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be lovely to see in procession. Oh, to I have know. the I book know. of the Gospels and a lovely, you know, jacket like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, again, it's just so beautiful. And you can really see the, um, one of the things I wanted to just mention again about the background, the cloth of honor, you really can't see it in this one, but I think in the, the earlier image that you did. So mm -hmm. we'll just encourage people to go to the website and take a look. It is actually an image of a unicorn and he's surrounded by, um, by flowers. And so that goes back to the medieval legend of the, um, the unicorn, the way to, you know, this depiction of the, the virgin and the unicorn was a supposed to be allude to the blessed mother with Christ um, in her womb. And it's, so this unicorn is sitting very peacefully in a garden. And so that speaks to the incarnation. So even behind there, You've got the um, the message of the incarnation with Our Lady, and the with the cloth of honor behind her. And Mary <clears throat> and John are pointing us to yes, the King of Kings <laughs> and the Lord of Lords and Lord His cloth of, of honor. 
Yes. I had to do a close-up of his cloth of honor. One of my favorite symbols is uh, the pelican feeding mm-hmm. its young by pecking at its own chest. And the inscription in the banner there um, essentially spells out Jesus Christ. So. Yeah. Christ the King. Christ the King. Yeah. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we have yeah just the beauty of all the regal strength of christ um his hand and blessing um not shown in this picture but you'll see it for yourselves when you you know take a look is the uh crown that's laid down at his feet so all kings all kings of the world will lay their crowns down at his feet Exactly, exactly. And and at some point, some people wonder, like, is this Christ the King? Is this God the Father? Who is this? And um, I would say, I could comfortably say this is Christ the King. The reason some people think it might be God the Father is because of the tiara that he's wearing. Um, and some a couple of other things that we won't go into because, again, we could spend <laughs> all week on this, but... Let's but we could give it a good Catholic, both and. Both and. Jesus said to Philip, you know, you see me, you see the Father. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, but you have um, St. John the Baptist pointing to directly to this person. And then you've got the background with the pelicans. But also, interestingly, the same model used for Adam was used for Christ the King. And so that's why I think this is definitely Christ. Mm-hmm. And then what all of this culminates in. Yeah. The adoration of the mystic lamb. Exactly. Exactly. So Alex, you had mentioned the martyrs earlier. I did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the martyrs are in the red ropes to our right side of the screen. Yeah. And I bet you were wanting people to zoom in to find someone special. <laughs> Well, I was actually going to say I was zoomed in and, and it's it's pretty gruesome, but there's a, one of the martyrs is is holding uh, one of the instruments of torture that that contributed to his death. Yeah, a and, lovely pair of tongs. <laughs> a tongs with a tongue in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so, but again, all of their faces are different. All mm-hmm. of their faces are different. And then in front of them and kind of in these robes are the apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and you have the virgins and, and, you, and you, the, the martyrs in the background, the, the virgins, and they were holding the palm leaves that, uh, uh, the fronds that you would have that, that is the symbol of martyrdom. And, uh, but what's interesting going along with my theory about the angels when I looked mm-hmm. at this, do you know all the angels in this one have the same face as well? Mm. Yeah. I'm telling okay. you. I, you know, it's, it's just, I would be happy to be an ant crawling around on the grass on the Gantel altarpiece. <laughs> you know, it's just, even the grass is beautiful. What can I say? That's why I added this zoom in here. This is yeah. a small piece of the garden between the martyrs and the virgins holding their little palm yeah. branches. And every single flower is done, not in a purely stylized way, but 
also in a natural way. You yeah. can actually, de- you know, be able to look at these and know which plant that is. Yeah. Everything has all its little details that you need. And that's yeah. not even zoomed in all the way. I know. I know. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. And and before I know you're going to go into we're going to have to start wrapping this up pretty soon. Yeah, let's and, get on to um, our next slide. But what I was going to say before you do that, I just have a okay. little theory and um that I we mentioned we talked about a little bit. Uh I have no proof. I have nothing to support this except my it's my theory in my head, my head canon. So we know that Hubert died about six years into doing this, to making this. And there, but the big question is people don't know which parts he painted and which, which parts Jan van Eyck painted. And I think <clears throat> Hubert painted this particular image of the mystic lamb. And I think he painted the Annunciation on the outside, because if you look at the styles, they're really different. But if you look at the one painting of his that they that they think was by him that survived the three Marys at the tomb. You it oh, really the one in our same. last episode, yes. Yes, the one in our last episode. And if the and the reason I'm saying that is because those wings are amazing on the angels. And um And we'll get a little closer look at those yeah, wings. Exactly. So that's that's my little theory. You know they do still have <clears throat> but they have that internal golden glow like on the angels that we saw with the three Marys. Yeah. 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 Let's get us out of the way here so people can see all these lovely angels. Yeah. Those Van Eyck uh, angel wings. (laughs) Yeah. We will do an episode on angel wings. That will come up very soon. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. What's fascinating are all the details in this section And this is the lamb with his actual face. I'll get into that in a little moment here. But we also have around the lamb, all of the instruments of the passion. We have the cross, the crown of thorns, the nails, the lance. We have the sponge on a long stick, the whips and the pillar and the reeds. Yeah, yeah. Just fabulous. It is. And and the lamb, you know, those are sort of instruments of really brutal torture. And I know you're going to get into the lamb, but one of the things that strikes me about the lamb with the blood pouring into the cup, it's not just pouring into the cup. It's like dripping down his chest a little bit and dropping onto the altar. It's gushing and splashing, it isn't is. it? <laughs> it is. And it's in, in some ways it's quite, it's graphic, it's, it's brutal, but um, it really does speak to the sacrifice. You that know? is his love poured out for us. Yes, just overflowing, mm-hmm. overflowing. So let's get into the lamb space. Yeah. So before... And you can actually see shadows of the real lamb behind him. Uh, yeah, this yeah. was uh, a 1950s was the last time it had been updated. And they had done this to it, which they think was actually done before. So for a long time, it had been changed to a more natural looking lamb. Yeah. And yeah. as they cleaned it off. And this was right around uh, 2019 into 2020. 
when they cleaned off that older restoration and revealed the actual face, it sent shockwaves through the art world. Yeah. <laughs> People yes. were shocked and tweeting and <laughs> what <Yeah>. happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it looks almost like a person. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, you have the lower set ears, just like on a human face. Yeah, yeah, this is not what a lamb looks like. I see lots of lambs and sheep all the time. This is not yeah. how they look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're forward-facing eyes. Not quite like that, no. Nope. Yeah, yeah, and even the nose, it's just, you can, it sort of, it suggests, under even under his chin, you know, the way it's, it's like this weird, um, it's like the, a blending um, or like a human face kind of superimposed a little bit. It suggests, it suggests a human face. Mm-hmm. And there so are a lot of articles out there with great scientific images where they do infrared x-ray to let you know that, yes, this is how Van Eyck painted it. Yeah. And we know he knew how to paint animals. Yes. <laughs> you know, he from the horses. <laughs> yes, and and he knew how to paint. He he knew how to paint whatever subject matter he was supposed to be painting. So it's safe to assume that this lamb looks like this was intentional. This was an intentional yes. thing. He knows what lambs, he knows what lambs actually look like and he chose to do this instead. Mm-hmm. Now we have one more image that I kind of did a little uh like you said earlier, we like to dive in and imagine what was it like. Yeah, yeah. And so I took our wonderful 3D image from Alexander, and I superimposed a priest at the elevation of the host. And this is what it would have been like yeah. to be there in the small chapel for a mass. And this lets you see what it, it's all pointing to. Yeah. Yeah. It's all pointing to the source and summit of our faith yeah. in the Eucharist. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And that's why, you know, location <laughs> and context matter. Mm-hmm. And and can you imagine, again, it's the priest up looking at this and celebrating Mass and seeing all, being surrounded by this as a priest. Um, the great where, cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and what a way to, um, uplift a priest in his, in his vocation. And I put with this a quote from St. Faustina, because knowing what the altarpiece has been through in its 600 plus year lifetime, um, this was a very fitting quote that St. Faustina wrote, I know well that the greater and more beautiful the works the more terrible will be the storms that rage against it. Yeah. Yeah. The altarpiece has felt that, and it is a beautiful piece of work. It is. It, yeah. Yeah. And it is something that is um, still touching people. You know, we're so excited about it. Uh, we have yeah. so many things. We're just going to have to put it on the Discord, and we would love for people to to find. Do you know what? This is the other thing that's kind of cool about this when you think about stuff that's still being discovered about the Ghent altarpiece, 
there are more things to be discovered about the Ghent altarpiece. Yeah, and they're still the, working on it. <laughs> yeah, and you have this high res, and sometimes an amateur eye, a novice eye, can find something that, you know, the trained professional just glosses over because they've just seen it so often. So literally, somebody could be looking at the high res um, on the website that we're going to link at the in the show notes. You could actually find something. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's like a possibility, which is yeah. so cool. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's something that keeps, um, it's almost like it's its own living thing. That's what yes. I love about it. Mm-hmm. It's an that interesting is. thing that you can just stare at forever. Want to be in there yes. with everybody. Oh, yes. Yeah. Nice. So, okay. Well, thank you, everyone. And, um, Really, thank you for listening and, and, and joining us on this little adventure and, and, and um, hearing our enthusiasm. And uh, we can really geek out on these things. Yes. Um, but thank you for listening to The Secrets of Sacred Art on StarQuest. And um, to find previous episodes of Secrets of Sacred Art and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash sacred art. You can send us comment and e- you can send us any comments by email at sacredart at sqpn.com or by leaving us a comment on YouTube or by visiting our channel on StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the art of communion breath. Until then, I'm Catherine Laffrey. And I'm Alex Murray. Hoping you find something beautiful. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Stargate. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash stargate.